Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. I think it's ambitious to think that there can be an NFL season or, you know, finishing out the NBA season anytime soon. The healthcare system has to react and respond to it. You have travel that's still, that's still occurring and you still have an opportunity to spread. You know, have places that really haven't been hit that hard yet that will see an increase in their patient number. NFL player, Myron Rule right there. Played in the NFL. I remember him with the Steelers, actually. Now he's an ER doctor. He says that. Meanwhile, the NFL plans to start the 2020 season on time. Multiple executives say that's the deal. Uh, Executive Vice President and General Counsel Jeff Pash, that's our expectation. Am I certain of that? I'm not certain I'll be here tomorrow, but I'm planning on it. And in the same way, we're planning on having a full season. All of our discussions, all of our focus has been on a normal traditional season, starting on time, playing in front of fans in our regular stadiums and going through a regular 16-game season and a full set of playoffs. That's our focus. So the NFL, full steam ahead, but a former NFL player who's an ER doc can't see it. And there we go. The conundrum we've been facing for a while now, but two more voices. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what they are. They're just voices, and they're speaking in the wilderness <laughs> to an extent. I don't know that anybody knows anything, but uh, if you want to plan for a full season in April, go ahead and plan for a full season until you have to plan otherwise. And maybe that's next week, maybe that's next month. I'm not sure about that because I don't think anybody's big, is sure about that. I think the, the bigger story overnight is that Philip Rivers has decided to retire and is backing out of his deal with the Colts. It was a one-year deal, and do you think we're going to see this more out of veteran players who are thinking, I should just lock it down with my family? Well, no, I just have to come clean. Is that I just made that up, and that's my first April Fool's joke of the day. I was sitting there, I'm like, is he going to get it? Is he going to get it? No. No, DJ, oh, no. Snakes. Oh, poor Snakes. He's so vulnerable. You know, he had a neighbor who was going to name his kid after Marshall Falk. He thought about it, but then, you know, he decided not to do it. <laughs> Falk. Falk. Oh. NFL team owners formally approved a plan Tuesday to expand the postseason to 14 teams. That seemed like a foregone conclusion. CBS and NBC will now have a bonus wild card game kick off the season. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Two weeks after two unnamed Lakers players tested positive for COVID-19, the team announced yesterday that all of its players are currently symptom-free. NBA and Players Associations are discussing scenarios for withholding up to 25% of the players' remaining salaries in a league escrow should regular season games eventually be canceled. The league hopes to resume the season in the playoffs, but the uncertainty surrounding the league's ability to fulfill its 82-game regular season will ultimately be a financial cost shared among the owners and players. Well, everything... Go ahead. Go ahead. I think everybody's going to take a big hit there, but I think the bigger story is that LeBron James announcing that he's done playing basketball. Well, at 35, if he's sitting out this year, <laughs> then you kind of... 
Toronto's cancellation of all city-led and permitted events through June 30 amid the COVID-19 pandemic does not apply to professional sports leagues. They've got uh, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer. Spokesman for Major John Tory confirmed that on Tuesday, Ontario has a province-wide ban on gatherings of more than five people. They didn't say how long that'll be enforced, though. Toronto City spokesman said games in arenas or stadiums fall under the mass gathering order issued by the province. So it sounds like they're tweaking the rules there in advance of playing games with no fans. But everything is to be determined, and that could all change by noon. I think the bigger story is Toronto, uh, Kawhi Leonard announcing if they move to Vancouver, he'll go back and play for the Raptors. He likes the Pacific Coast is what you're saying. Yes, yes, exactly. Nice. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Hey, look, another money story. Veteran Major League players will receive $4,775 per day in advance for the first 60 days of the season. That's a total of uh, $286,500. That's equal to 2.5% of the $36 million salaries for Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole and Angel star Mike Trout. They were scheduled to make $193,000 a day during the 186-day season. So they're getting a cut of their salaries, but uh, certainly nothing close to it. And, of course, baseball got a few spring training games in and it's currently shut down, and we're all trying to figure out if they're going to play 80 or 100 games or what they're going to be able to salvage out of this season. Man, they're getting 4000 plus a day. Is that what you told me? Yep. My first job at the Casagrande Dispatch, I made $210 a week. You beat me. I opened up for $1,000 a month at KTMS Radio in Santa Barbara. Then I got a raise after six months from yeah. 210 to 215 a week. Woohoo! Big but money. You say I beat you, but we were required, which I don't know, I should have hired an attorney. I should have got Johnny Cochran. Because we were required to work 44 hours a week. And then they gave us comp time starting at the 45th hour. Yep. And screwed. The, the shifts were 7 to 11, both 7 to 11s. 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. to put the paper out, and then 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. to gather the news in the morning? Yes. Yes. It was an afternoon paper. And so we put it out in the morning. You had to be there at 7, and then by 11 you were done. And that was, uh, I got the job in April, and that's how I became a Cubs fan because I would go home and, and just be on. gassed. And, the, and I turned on the TV, and the Cubs were starting. And when you're living in Casa Grande, <laughs> it's not like, oh, I'm going to go to the sports mall, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, right. and plus, it's, it's summer, and it's way hot. <laughs> and so... I just turn on Harry Carey and Steve Stone, and for a shorter shorter duration, I became this huge guy. I could tell you everything about the Cubs <laughs> before. Uh, then I would sleep and whatnot, and then I didn't have to exercise. I was young, young enough in those days, and then I'd go back at seven o'clock to cover high school football or some city council meeting or whatever it is that was going on. You know, depending on the seasons. So, and then when I quit. I had so much comp time stored up that, that uh, like, the last three weeks, I didn't even show up to work. 
after after we were done putting the paper out at, at 11 in the morning, I had so much comp time that I had like three weeks of comp time. So I, I can I can understand what Trout and Cole are going through. That's yeah, the bottom line. I think you're really feeling it right there. <laughs> They're really feeling it. I worked 4 to midnight, and then it got tweaked until it was 3 to 11. And then it ended up being splits when they decided I could speak aloud and not stumble over myself too much. And so I worked morning drive, which was 6 to 10, and the afternoon drive was 3 to 7. And then it was on to TV. So there you go. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up today, that's what is trending, and it is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up at 7.30, Brett McMurphy, college football insider for Stadium Network. He had the story about the college football season and surveying every single uh, athletic director and what they thought was going to happen. He did it on a scale of 1 to 10 of what kind of confidence they have of what was going to happen with the college football season. So we'll talk with Brett McMurphy. That's coming up at 7.30. 8 o'clock, that's the college basketball hour. Larry Kristoviak's here at 8.05. Mark Pope, 8.30. We got the question up on our Facebook page. We'll hit this next. Larry Kristoviak and Mark Pope scheduled to be on with us here in the 8 a.m. hour. What should we ask him? We got a lot of suggestions, and I'm sure we will gather a lot more. You can hit us up on Twitter right now. We're on Facebook. Also, DJ and PK. Hit us up on Twitter at David DJ James or PK Kenahan. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on The Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical Services at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. All right, PK, hot takes this morning coming in from people. They've got questions. They've got questions for Larry Kristoviak and Mark Pope in the 8 o'clock hour. Yeah, I got a bunch myself, particularly for Larry. Shane wants to know, uh, ask Coach K why his team underperforms every year, why so many kids transfer, and why he won't play the Aggies. The list goes on and on. I'm sure those are all legitimate questions there. I got more more questions, different line of questioning, I probably should say, that I want to hit up with him. Do you want to tell us, or are you going to surprise us when he joins us at No, no, uh, I can tell you right now. Yeah, okay. No, I'll tell you right now if you want, if that's uh, what you think. Give me uh, one. Uh, Give me one. Well, I mean, last night HBO had the thing of Sean Miller, and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just about Sean Miller, but he's yeah. clearly on tape. You could hear his voice. He's talking with Dawkins. They're talking and there is no direct evidence implicating Sean to actually paying guys, but there's all sorts of circumstantial evidence. It's clear that's what the discussion is about. And Larry's been a head coach a little longer than Mark Pope, and he's in the Pac-12, and obviously Sean Miller is in the Pac-12. And so they're, they're probably going up against a lot of the same guys that they're recruiting for. They're going up against each other for recruiting against the same uh, 
players, four of the same players, I should say. And so uh, I'm sure Larry has just seen, he, he could probably give us 20 stories off the top of his head. And is anything going to be done about it? And to me, it's an institutional issue. It's a coaching issue. Uh, it's not a player issue. I mean, a player, if you're, someone's going to give you money, you're probably going to take it. And so it's up to the industry if it wants to clean itself up to do that. And I'm just wondering what Larry has to say about all that. What does he think about some of that stuff? I and mean, there's, there's obviously a bunch of questions uh, relating to his own team, certainly. But this thing was on last night. I did not see it. I don't have uh, HBO, but I saw the snippet on it, and I, I want to know what's going on. The uh, there were a couple <clears throat> couple coaches, uh, LSU, Arizona coaches. The uh, audio, it was obvious what was going on. I mean, guys, are, some some of the conversations were more obvious than others, but. You just can't listen to that and think that uh, coaches aren't cheating, schools aren't cheating, and that this isn't just the normal way business is done. Right. I mean, talking about players they're not going to get because what players are getting other places. And then moving on, we're not even talking about that guy. Let's go talk about this guy. Yeah. Uh, Jason says, ask Larry, with how many players are entering the transfer portal each year? Is this college basketball now, or do he and his staff take some accountability and these kids constantly leaving? I, well, ironic I to ask, uh, yeah, ironic to ask that now. I, you're right. I think it is both. But ironic to ask that now in a year when they've only had one kid leave, which is well below the average. Now, how much of that's being impacted by current events? I don't know that they're going to have seven or eight hundred kids transferring this year. Uh, maybe they will. Uh, I'm not sure that the current events have a whole lot to do with anything when it comes to this. Most most kids, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Uh, they're not thinking long-term on this. They're thinking about where can I get more playing time next season. So uh, I, I don't know about that. I, the one thing I want to ask Larry is uh, I had Dave Rose on when you were gone uh, earlier in the month. I guess it's last month now since today's April. And one of the things Dave said is that looking back, it's not like it was a massive regret, but one of the things he wish he was wish he would have done differently is re-recruit the kids who were interested in leaving. And he said, he told me that he said his philosophy is, if you don't want to be here, fine, go. But he says, looking back, he underestimated how many kids were going to go. And that, for different reasons, you know, and I think in this one, he was talking specifically about some of the kids who left early to play professionally somewhere. They didn't make the NBA, hmm. but they went and played professionally. A guy so he's like talking about Trent Playstead went and left early. Uh, yeah, way, yeah, Playstead and Mika and Elijah yeah. Bryant. Uh, those are the ones that come to mind. So he said that, along with these other transfers too, that because they didn't have a big enough role, whatever the reasons were, they left. He said he would have done more to try to keep them and so i'm wondering larry's lost a number of players as have so many schools i mean it's not particular to what to utah by any stretch but would he what does he think about because maybe he already did it i don't know but what does he think about re-recruiting kids that you've brought in your program played for you and then want to leave More suggestions coming in from people. Uh, when is Coach K going to get the youths back in the tournament? It's been a long time. There's Wyatt. 
who's a huge fan. You can see in his avatar, and he just he just wants the tourney. Oh yeah, of course, everybody does. Missed a long time. It's been four years now. Uh, last four tournaments they haven't qualified for. A couple of NITs in a couple of years, neither the NCAA or the NIT. And I think along those lines, when you talk to him about scheduling, they played Mississippi Valley State three years in a row. We, we had a Ken Pomeroy on, I think it was, uh, what, three years ago or four, three years ago, that, that all of the um, BYU, Utah, and Utah State all played them. Uh, but we've seen BYU, I think Utah State only played them once. BYU played them twice. Uh, the Utes played him three years in a row. And Kim Pomeroy, who comes up, I mean, he's a local guy. He lives on the Wasatch Front. He comes up with a computer formula that's so good, the NSA adopts it as one thing the selection committee uses. They're actually using his formula in the room to pick the teams. And he tells us, playing a team like Mississippi Valley State, you can't beat them by enough to offset how much they drag down the quality of your schedule the strength of your schedule. And so he was right from the get-go literally playing those teams either hurts your ability to get in the tournament or if you get in the tournament, it'll hurt your seating. Don't play them. We've seen other schools go away from them. And with Larry, who really needs to get to the NCAA tournament, is he going to go away from them? So. Yeah, I don't think he's going to go away from them. He may go away from some of them. Go away from the bottom that. 50 teams. I mean, you, you, I get that you don't want to play a steady diet of top 50 teams and get beat up, but you, know, you can play Team 185. You don't have to team, play Team 345. And team 185 still ought to be a, a fairly easy win. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I've always thought that they should go uh, more regional and uh, bring in teams because you're going to pay them to extend. I think that's pro- probably part of the deal. I don't know the contract. I guess I could look it up if I cared. Uh, but uh, bring in Colorado State and bring in Wyoming or something instead of bringing in or traveling to play some no-name team or bringing in some no-name team from way outside. I think they should be, goes along with what we're talking about, Chris Hill. I think they should be more uh, financially responsible in terms of scheduling and if you can find ways to save money and still accomplish the same thing because no one game is going to make or break you in the NCAA tournament as far as getting picked in it just doesn't getting selected it just doesn't work that way so it's you know they're going to look at from game one to game 30 and everything is going to be taken into account so why bring in somebody that you might have to pay more money bring in somebody who's much more local or regionally local and then you wouldn't have to necessarily pay him as much money or you just don't pay him at all and you return the game the following year or the year after, whenever it might be. Like playing Nevada. Whatever it might be, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's plenty of schools locally right. in, in, the, in these conferences in which you can accomplish that. The Mountain West, the Big West, the West Coast. Right? They, I mean, yeah. they, did, sky. they did some of that bringing in UC Davis and, and playing at Nevada. So yeah. there's been a little bit of that. San Diego State was on the schedule. That's another regional team. All right, we got more questions. You can hit us up, David DJ James or DJ and PK, Larry Kristoviak at 8 o'clock, Mark Pope at 8.30. What is BYU planning on doing now that all those seniors will graduate? Daniel wants to know. What's the plan at the Y? That's a lot of talent going out the door. Seven seniors, three of them. Yeah, most nights, the three best players on the floor. 
Yeah, well, that's going to be Mark Polk's challenge for sure is to uh, regroup. He's got some red shirts. I want to ask him specifically about the red shirts uh, as far as what his plans are and who does he think can play together because they're going to have an abundance of size next year with Baxter and, and, and uh, Kobe Lee and then the two red shirts uh, to see what uh, what is there, are his intentions there. Shane says you should have uh, Pope interviewed by himself. He has a lot of energy, and Larry's a dud, just like his team. Go Cougars. <laughs> Go Cougars. He's a Dodger fan. I <laughs> just checked his avatar. We're going to well, see him in Southern d- California and came up to the Y? <laughs> yes, uh, most definitely. But that, that dud of a team beat your team. Oops! There it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. We got um, multiple people now posting. Please ask Coach K why he's afraid to play the Aggies. The Aggies want that game. I don't remember about that. What's the story there? I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it. Uh, in Larry's case, uh, it looks like they just didn't want to play any in-state teams. I mean, he didn't want to play BYU for a hot minute there, and they did end up skipping a year. And won't play Weber State, even at home. I think they <laughs> – well, I know they know that Pac-12 schools just don't go to Big Sky – don't go play Big Sky teams on the road. So – if one does it, the pressure from the other 11, knock it off. We're all going to get hit up with this. So I think they get that. But they're, they were a little surprised that they're not even playing there. All right, you got questions for the basketball coaches. They will be here coming up uh, in half an hour and in an hour, the 8 o'clock hour, both uh, Larry Kristoviak and Mark Pope. DJ wants to know if the NCAA did the right thing and denied your seniors a waiver to play next year. Well, that would be a question for BYU, not a question for Utah. Yes, Utah didn't really have, they only had one senior to play, and BYU had the bunch. I, I just don't see that, uh, that, that there's any way they could have done that because if, they, if the Cougars uh, would have lost the first game, so you're going to give somebody a whole year for one game, two games, three games? Yeah, it seems like the math is off there, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is what the NCAA ultimately decided. All right, you got questions for him, uh, hit us up. And if you have questions for uh, Brett McMurphy about the college football season, hit us up right now because he's going to join us here in a couple minutes. And PK, uh, you saw that story, and uh, he talked to a, a lot of of college football players, let's uh, or college uh, football administrators, let's bring him in right now. Brett McMurphy, college football insider for Stadium Network, joins us right now. He's on the Sprint Special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Brett, good morning. Good morning, guys. Good to talk to you. Thanks for coming back on the show. We appreciate it. Uh, your your story surveying everybody uh, across. Uh, college sports about what's going to happen with this upcoming football season caught all of our eyes. I guess, first off, where did you first uh, get a, uh, a whiff of this? How did you start uh, pursuing this story? You know, actually, it was a couple weeks ago. I was just, you know, I was tired of everything. Every time I turned on the TV, looked somewhere, read something, it was all about the coronavirus. <laughs> 
And I was thinking, how can I come up with something about college football so people can talk, you know, talk about college football or think of something just for myself as a college football reporter. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to reach out to uh, all the ADs and uh, I'm going to ask him what their thoughts are on the college football playoff. You know, do they think it should expand by how many teams? Um, who should be in the in a expanded playoff? Those sort of things. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll reach out to all the ads and do that. So right before I got ready to do that, you know, the implication of the coronavirus kept getting more um, severe. I guess the, the cancellations kept getting pushed back further into the calendar. So I just thought, well, I'll throw in a question: How optimistic are you about the upcoming season? And so I reached out to all 130. ADs, 112 of those responded, and um, so yesterday I wrote the the piece about how optimistic they are. Tomorrow I've got a a piece at WashStadium.com about what are some of the options that the ADs are looking at if if the season can't start in in uh, in late August, and then next week uh, the original reason for reaching out to these guys has to do with the playoff. I'll write my my findings, what they told me about their thoughts on the on the expansion of the playoff next week. So it wasn't some uh, you know great plan. It's just kind of like, hey, I want to get people talking about college football, and you know, wanted to reach out to the athletic directors. You know, I know you know I also value coaches' opinions, but you know, athletic directors are a step below the presidents and so they're right there on the front lines as far as making decisions so those are the best people to go to and uh, you know i appreciate all those that that responded and i thought it was is pretty eye-opening and you know a lot of people think the same way if if we can't have a football season it's going to get really ugly for a lot of programs whether it's power five group of five independent it, it doesn't matter and that's that's what's really scary when I talked to a lot of these athletic directors. Yeah, I think that you had a bunch of quotes there that were anonymous, obviously, and the one quote that jumped out among all of them, and there was many, is the one AD who said, basically, I'm paraphrasing, if we don't have a season, we're bleeped. I can't say the word, <laughs> yeah. but we all know what the yeah. we know what the word is. So it looks like it's in a dire straight situation if they don't have it. Based on your information and conversations, uh, what do you think the percentage of a season not being had is, and do you think that they would go to almost virtually any extreme to make sure they have some kind of a season? Yeah, they will go to any extreme, and that's that's what I'm, you know, I'm writing for tomorrow is basically, you know, what are the options? The options are you could delay the season a couple months, and first off, the the, the frustrating thing that with this is everyone's waiting to get the all clear everyone's waiting when the you know whenever we're told it's safe and whenever there's no more you know stay-at-home states um all these different things whenever that happens then we can move forward that's the frustrating thing for these athletic directors is they don't know when this will be will it be a week from now will it be a month from now will it be six months from now Nobody knows. So if the season doesn't start in August, some of the options that the AD said that they're considering are, you know, um, playing conference, a conference-only schedule, which, you know, that would 
uh, still allow bowl games to happen, the college football playoff, all sort of those things. That, however, would be devastating to the group of five schools um, who, you know, have the one big money road game in the non-conference that would kill the FCS level because their entire budgets are centered around a, a you know million dollar payday when they go play a power five opponent um other options would be making football a two semester sport some ad's suggested look if we can't start in august let's start as soon as we can if that's october november and then we'll play into february or march if we have to some other ad's suggested look if we can't play um in the fall then hey let's let's play in the spring and you know it sounds comical, something I would have laughed at a couple couple of weeks ago, but you know that could be a reality. If we can't start the season until January, then the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl have the semifinals. Miami's got the national title game. Those games could be going on around Memorial Day. But that's some of the, the things that the ADs are looking at and considering. But again, they don't know what they're going to do until they know when they can start this whole process. And so that's kind of, that's kind of what's uh, got, got them banging their heads against the wall. Um, and ultimately everybody wants to get the season in um, because of the, the, how much they depend on the, the finances of the revenue generated from college football. Brett McMurphy joining us, College Football Insider for Stadium Network. Really interesting piece, talking to all the athletic directors. Uh, you can check it out at the Stadium Network. Uh, one thing that's floated, obviously, is this thought that it'll be a conference season only. What would happen to independence? Because obviously this would impact BYU. Um, you know, TV networks right. want to make BYU, money. BYU, Notre to, Dame. Right. Yeah, that's, that's one of the – again, there, there's so many – you know, I can say, well, they're considering this, and you could then ask me 50 questions, and I could say, I don't know. And that's kind of where we're at. I don't know. What would happen with BYU? What would happen with Notre Dame? I do know that Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, said the other day that, that all the Power 5 commissioners are speaking daily. And he said, basically, if there was a conference-only model, that the Power 5 conferences, which obviously would impact everybody else, would come to an agreement that that every conference among the Power Five, everyone else could do whatever they want, but I'm sure they would follow suit, would play either eight games or they would play nine games. Well, that's great, except three of the leagues, Power Five leagues, play nine conference games. Two of them play eight conference games. So are you going to get the, the two that play eight to bump up to nine, or are you going to get the three that play nine bumped down to eight? Well, if I guess the best scenario for BYU would be that everyone plays nine conference games because that means the two leagues with eight would have to find an additional game, and certainly BYU would be an attractive opponent. Also, I'm guessing if they decided just to go with eight conference games, that I'm sure the independents would probably work together to schedule as best they could. Um, I'm sure the group of five, if the Power Five says we're only going to play eight conference games, they all play eight conference games anyway, so they're not gonna they're not gonna say, well, no, we're gonna play nine. They're not gonna add games. Um, but again, there's so many different different factors and layers with this that you're right. You know, w- what happens with the independents in this scenario? Um, it, it's just it, it's a crazy time and, and stuff that we never thought we would have considered as far as 
in college athletics and college football, you know, could become a reality, again, depending on whenever we get the all clear and, and life can return to normal whenever that is. So this is all hypothetical, I know, but I, and I know you don't Absolutely. have any specific answers, but I just want to make sure that I'm understanding your hypothetical angle that you're saying here, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I, and I realize that there's, there really is no right or wrong because we don't know what's going to happen. That's the message that we're getting here from you, obviously. But what you're basically saying is if, if these things, any number of these things happen where it's not the normal schedule, not, not, not necessarily what time of year, I'm speaking specifically to the scheduling of it as opposed to when and if they'll actually play. But as far as the scheduling goes, you could see a, a scenario, and we're not holding you to it by any stretch, but anyway, you could see the scenario that the independents are overhauling their schedule and basically scheduling on the fly. Is that at least some semblance of accuracy? Well, absolutely. And I and let and going with the conference only model. We'll we'll go with that model. Okay. The the Power Five conferences are going to have to adjust their schedules too, because some of these conference games are being played in September. So if the season can't start until October, even the conferences that play eight conference games are going to have to adjust their schedules on the fly. Everybody is going to have to adjust their schedules on the fly. They're going to have to move things around. Obviously, the conferences don't have as many as many um, games to move around as, say, obviously an independent. Um, but, yeah, a lot of these Power Five leagues, they play these September conference games those games would not be obviously would not be played in September. So now you got to move them to October, November. Um, move them to October, November. Well, now you got to find dates that coincide with your opponent. And will that work? Because it, they both may not have the same open date. So, yeah, I think everybody will be working on the fly, which is. Kind of, I mean, I'm not making this funny or laughing about it, but it. It is comical kind of a way in that all these schools are scheduling games literally like 50, 50 years out, <laughs> and now they're going to have to redo their schedule literally in a matter of days. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's a great question, but everybody, not just the independents, would be having to change their schedules on the fly. And I actually think if – if Games cannot be attended by fans if we're not if we're at that point where it's not safe for for fans to 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 be in large groups at, at games. So basically, we're just doing these games for TV. I really think that one option would be to play games every day of the week. If it's just for TV, move the games to every day of the week. Don't put ninety percent of your games on Saturday. To do like the Mac does in November and play every game, play games every day of the week, um, because at least then you could you get monster TV ratings, and then hopefully um, the TV networks could compensate some of these universities for moving these games to different days um, to generate some revenue to kind of offset the lost revenue they're going to get from from no uh, from no crowds. Again, there's a that's a great question, but that's just one of a, you know, you ask one question, you get, you, you go down a rabbit hole and get all these different offshoots. And that's what's kind of so, so fascinating and so frustrating with this whole situation. Brett McMurphy joining us, College Football Insider for Stadium Network. 
And so for people to just join us in the middle of the interview, this is really revenue-driven. I have read that 80 percent of the TV contract money that these conferences sign is based on football, and twenty percent on basketball and whatever else. But eighty percent of it's football driven. So when I hear you talk about the conference only season, and I get that's the first thing an AD will say or a conference commissioner will say, but then I think, well, as they rework this, they're going to have conversations with ESPN and with Fox, and in the case of Notre Dame, with NBC, and. There is no way anyone at ESPN is going to tell the ACC, don't play those five games with Notre Dame. I mean, I just can't believe an ESPN executive is going to say that. So right away, there's going to be wiggle room. There's going to be an extra ACC team on five weeks that needs a game. Am I right? Well, it depends. If the, if the, if we'll say the power – I mean, you can go two ways with that. If you say the – if you say the con- – Again, I'm just going by what Bob Bowlesby said, and I have no reason not to not to believe him. He said the Power Five conferences will determine together whether they would have the same number of games. If they decide they're only going to have eight conference games, the ACC plays eight conference games. So I don't. That means you would have to drop a conference yeah. game to add Notre Dame, and they would have to. Again, all these rules that are in place now would have to get basically pushed to the side or say, hey, you, we're not going to hold you to them this year. They would have to basically make Notre Dame an ACC member for one season. Um, I mean, could that happen? Yes, I guess. Anything could happen. Again, these are desperate times, and it yeah. matters how desperate we are. Um, but yeah, but maybe because of your what you're saying about Notre Dame, maybe that says, well, let's go to nine games, and so that way, um, the ACC schools for their ninth game, everybody can play Notre Dame, and so that gets the ACC, you know, nine of the nine of the fourteen ACC schools play Notre Dame, so then Notre Dame gets their nine games in that way, um, and then you'd have to have the the uh, the SEC then would have to find, I guess, one non-conference game to get up to their ninth game. So you could get the nine games that way. But if, if they're only going to play eight, then it's going to be tough for Notre Dame to be able to get those games from the power leagues because they will already be booked up with other conference opponents. If, I, I think that's what you asked me. Hopefully it was. <laughs> So your sense is, if for no other reason, and probably the main reason, is financially these these schools, these leagues, cannot afford to have college football. So they're going to overturn every stone possible to make sure there's some form of a college football season. Right, and that's why I think the spring's a real possibility. Look, I, I, I hope I'm wrong on this. I pray I'm wrong. I just, the way we are right now, you know, Duke has already canceled their summer camp on-campus um, classes. Wimbledon reportedly is going to be canceled or has been canceled. I, I haven't seen the latest. And that goes into mid-July. So we're already canceling stuff into mid-July. I, this is where I hope I'm wrong. I think it's... I can't see these colleges and universities saying in the middle of August saying, okay, it's safe now. Bring all your 30, 40, 50,000 students back on campus from all over the world. It's safe to come back. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. Let's say I'm right. Well, that means all these kids are taking online classes. Well, if 
the student bodies aren't on campus, then how are you going to bring back the student-athletes? And if the student-athletes aren't on campus, you can't have a season. And so if that happens, then it gets pushed to the spring, and you play in the spring. Um, I just literally just got off the phone with a group of five athletic directors. He said there is a athletic director, excuse me, he said there was a president in his conference who suggested last week going ahead and announcing that they wanted to move their season to the spring. So, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but they're already starting to consider these things because, again, no one knows when it's going to be we get, you know, the all clear to, to, for things to go back to normal. I hope I'm wrong about the, the schools and what goes on in the fall. But if, if we can't have the student bodies on campus, then we're not going to be able to have fans in the stands. Um, and so if that happens, I think moving to the spring is a real possibility because, yes, the, you know, it's going to conflict with the NFL draft. Yes, March Madness will be going on the same time as, the, as college football. Yes, there's a million other uncertainties. Yes, Trevor Lawrence may not want to play because – he, would he want to start a season in January when he's going to be the number one pick in April and he doesn't want to take a chance of an injury? Yeah, a lot of things like that are going to happen. Seniors may not want to play because they want to train for the NFL. There's a million offshoots of that. But the bottom line is the universities and the athletic departments cannot go without a year of not having the revenue of college football because no matter the greatest CFO in the world, there is no way anybody doing their budgets 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago said, you know what, we need to squirrel away X millions of dollars because we may not have a football season in 2020. Nobody ever thought that would happen. And so that's where we're at. And so people are kind of trying to come up with these contingency plans um, dependent on when everyone can move forward. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of where we're at. A lot of unknowns, a lot of, you know, this could happen or that could happen. And one thing's for certain, <laughs> there's nothing definite right now. All right. Well, that's a uh, lot of information all at once, Brett. We appreciate it. And uh, hit us up again. you got two more stories coming up. Um, when are they going to when are they going to uh, drop and where? Yeah, so, th- so to, uh, Thursday at watchstadium.com, obviously I'll tweet him out at Brett underscore McMurphy, is basically some of the options of what the ADs are considering if the season doesn't start in August. Um, and then next week, uh, next Tuesday, um, I'll have my results of the survey of the athletic directors on what their thoughts are of the playoff moving forward. Will it be expanded? How many teams do they want in it? And more importantly, um, no big surprise, they do prefer an 18 playoff. More importantly, though, who do they think should be given bids in that 18 playoff, which was the, one of the most fascinating things I found, especially when you look at the dif- dif- differing opinions between the Power 5 ADs and the non-Power 5 ADs. So that's, that's next week. All right. We'll look forward to reading those. Brett, thanks a lot for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks, guys. Brett McMurphy, College Football Insider for Stadium Network. All right, that's a lot to consider all at once right there, huh, PK? 
Oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there there could potentially be a massive difference in what we've known for college football. But the good thing is, is that he has stated, for what I took from that, is that they're determined almost under any circumstance, and we don't know what the circumstances would be, that they're going to have some form of a season. And as long as BYU can have a season two, they'll have to adjust. But everybody will have to adjust, and we'll get college football. But it might not be literally until 12 months from now. Spring football, the most meaningful spring football games you have ever seen. That'd be really different. You know, I think one thing that has to be considered with spring football is the impact on players playing in the spring and then playing again in the fall. Because that's one thing that I've heard uh, people who covered the NBA talking about is how far can the NBA push the calendar before they start to impact the next season. And then the next question is, do you care if you impact the next season? Or is it better to finish this season, even if it's an August, September, October thing, and then mess with the start of the next season and push it back a couple months? And, you know, maybe you get a Christmas or New Year's start to that or whatever it has to be. Um, all, things are, all these things are being debated that we never thought would be debated, but everything's on the table because desperate times, desperate measures. Well, thanks to Brett McMurphy, College Football Insider for Stadium Network, for joining us. Larry Kristoviak, Mark Pope, both in the 8 o'clock hour. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK reminding you, we are brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing for your plumbing, heating, and air, and electrical needs. Call 801-833-3333 or go to actionplumbing.net. Well, you've had a commercial break to digest everything Brett McMurphy just told us about uh, what he got out of a survey of 130 ADs in the Power Five and Group of Five uh, college football ADs there. Spring football, I guess that's the thing my brain spent the last five minutes on. A 12-game schedule across February, March, and April, or March, April, and May, if that's how far it has to be pushed back. Sounds like the bowl season gets sacrificed, most of them. Maybe a few of them get salvaged. Certainly the playoff games would. And then some of the other bowls, you know, if you're playing in an NFL stadium, you can probably put a bowl game on, I guess. Um, but the, the big thing is to make sure that you get the regular season in and get the, the money from the TV contracts. Yeah, it's a situation where you're going to have to do what you have to do. Instead of Tuesdays with Maury, we're going to have Tuesdays with the Pac-12. I love that idea of playing every day of the week if you're going to be playing in front of empty stadiums. It would just be TV-driven. And so why not do that? There's all sorts of possibilities, and I think we're going to see in the coming weeks that these things are going to be explored with the intent on having something or some things happen that is well beyond the norm. And the situations call for what they are, and these are crazy times, as McMurphy said, quoting him literally. So with that in mind, you got to do what you got to do, and it's apparent that they cannot afford to go a season 
without. Now, whenever that season is played remains to be seen, but there's going to be some form of college football in the 2021 academic year that will consist of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games. We don't know that either. There's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of crazy possibilities, but they've got to consider all that stuff. And that's what they're going to do. I don't really, uh, I'm far more concerned about a spring season and then coming back the following fall mm-hmm. of 21 than I am at the pro level. Can the pro level in the NBA uh, just take off 20 games then? I mean, you can play your 82 games, and LeBron James of the world can go to South Beach for two weeks in January if he wants. And hardly anybody remembers that. It really had no effect on the season. So there's ways around if the pros have to extend their season into the summer of the NBA and then start the following year in October, which who knows if they're going to do that anyway because if there's no college football, it would stand to reason that there's probably no NBA basketball next fall either. I don't know any of that stuff, but I'm just having some logical conclusions there that you can draw. So this is going to be an interesting time, and you got to do what you got to do. People do different things when situations call for it. You know, I lived in California, and if you wanted to buy a home, uh, you had to go so far out that you ended up with literally a 90-minute to two-hour commute each each way, each day. But you, you did what you wanted to do. You, you had to do what you had to do if that's what you wanted to have it be accomplished. So it's the same type of situation here. I don't know what's going to happen, but they're going to, and when the president's coming out and say we'll have a very painful two weeks, what the heck does that mean? I mean, I don't know what that means, but I don't know. I know I don't like the sound of it. You got to do what you got to do. And uh, when Mark Harlan says they got five plans, you can see clearly what some of those plans are. Uh, when we come back, Larry Kristoviak, basketball coach at the University of Utah. Mark Pope's coming up at 830. Stay with us.